Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. And uh, welcome to season 11 finale. We're episode, I guess, 110? 110. 110. Yeah. Oh, we should have done this for the next one. 111? Yeah, because... Lord of the Rings opens on Bilbo's 111th birthday. Okay, well, maybe we just back this up and make this, and do this for 111. No, because then we got to figure out what we're going to do for today's episode. <laughs> we got we got a, a great episode coming up for you. We're going to talk about the Lord of the Rings set. Uh, not necessarily a set review, not necessarily a not set review. Uh, we're just no. going to, I took a couple hours Sifted through some cards, made a list of things that I wanted to talk about. Bruce did the same. And we have yet to talk about what those are with each other. So that's what we've got here. This isn't going to be like a Temple's Treasures thing where we're going to be somehow surprised by overlap. No. We've each picked a lot of cards. Yeah. We're going to have overlap. There just is. And, I mean, I honestly think, too, like, this isn't going to be like, oh, like, th we think this is a 7 out of 10 type of thing. Like, it is just oh, going no. to be unfiltered, well, until we edit, uh, <laughs> thoughts about these cards, about the set. This is coming from two people who enjoy Lord of the Rings, but uh, I know personally, I, I'm not, like, I haven't seen the movies in, like, a couple years, and... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I I really, yeah. I really enjoy the setting. It feels very. I mean, like it is like the basis for a lot of, uh, like kind of medieval fantasy type stuff. And uh, what what couldn't you love about these two things coming together? Um, and I I think going into it, I had this expectation of like, wow, it's gonna be like like very like. If you if you don't get the references, it's not going to be enjoyable type of thing. But I think that overall, we'll see. Um, I I think I came out of looking at all of these cards more excited than I thought I would be. Um, yeah, how do you how do you feel about it as of now? I it's funny because the more I go through the cards, the more I think to myself, and you know, I thought I was way more into Lord of the Rings than I apparently am. Because there was a lot in here that did just go screaming over my head. Mm. And it, I think that's more a product of, I have not read these books in ages. It has been a very long time since I've read these books. Andy, I suspect I read these books before you were alive. That's Probably. how long ago it was. Um, so a lot of this is, is sort of new. Um, and honestly, that works out just fine. But yeah. it's interesting because you see a lot of... <clears throat> I like what Wizards has done because I think there's a lot of cards that are really powerful and cool. But at the same time, there are some cards that are very clearly not super powered. But you're like, right, I, yeah, mm-hmm. That, that makes perfect sense. It's exactly what that card should do. Yeah. I really like... Uh, you know, and I've got a few that I have marked here that I'm like, the flavor on this is astounding in terms of right. like mechanical, uh, there's a word for that, Ludo narrative. But I feel like uh, it 
it did really well in those aspects. And I think overall, um, the the two takeaways I came out from this are, I really want to get a draft box because I think that this would be an amazing set to draft. And I want to get the commander decks because they seem like a lot of fun. Um, I, I haven't actually looked at the list. I just like went on Scryfall and looked at the, the cards. Right. Uh, but like you can you can see some certain through lines that are just like oh this is this is really cool and i think that uh the decks that you can build from even just the legendary creatures are right uh creative the things that i like to do in commander um but yeah Um, yeah i can see there i can see a lot of uh a lot of new commander decks coming out of this where um legends matter yeah really really comes to the fore there are a lot of legendary creatures in here and a lot of them are legendary creatures that i wouldn't want as my commander they're just you know they're basic they're not they're not super exciting for me as a commander but as part of the 99 that sounds great and when you've got you know cards in your 99 that say you know if you're you know legendary creatures or legendary permanents get a bonus of some kind i mean yeah i can really see this this is a this is going to be a great set for you yeah um i just looked it up there between both commander set and uh draft set yep there are 121 legendary creatures out of 581 cards so that's about 20 21 percent of yep. uh the cards are uh, could be Legend. your commander. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily uh, good at it, but uh, you know, our our legal yeah uh, technically yeah right. Um, I'll mention one card just off the, right off the bat that mm-hmm. isn't a reprint, but uh, it's called Flowering of the White Tree. Oh yes. Um, it's a, it's a white in, white legendary enchantment for white white legendary creatures you control get plus two plus one and have ward one non-legendary creatures you control get plus one plus one and it's real easy to look at a card like this and say oh I'm only ever going to put this in a deck with a lot of legends but folks crusade was a card that existed a long time ago it costs one white it costs white white and it said uh, I believe it was white creatures gain or get plus one plus one this is just better straight better uh crusade also that the card crusade also came with a whole lot of baggage and they've sort of tried to set that aside well here now you've got a a perfectly good replacement for crusade if crusade is still in any of your decks Mm. um but this card is going to be good in a deck that only has a commander as, as a legendary creature even oh, if yeah, that's yeah. the only one, creatures I think the you ward control alone. get plus one plus one. It's not non-token. It's not token. It's just your dudes get plus one plus one. Oh, and by the way, your commander gets plus two plus one, and also has ward one, which yeah, isn't huge, but it's just that little bit annoying. Yeah, it 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 screws up their math in ways that like if you are. If you're a, a, a fairly casual group like we are, what that means is that they're going to have a chance to take it back 
yeah. you're gonna be like, oh, sorry. But like, if you're in yeah. any sort of group that like, it's like, you know, maybe, or even like, I think for our group, like if it was like the fifth time somebody was like, no, it's got ward one. You have to either pay one or it's gonna be countered. Um, if it if you've had to remind people enough, like there's gonna be points where it's like, no, you're not taking that back. <clears throat> It yeah. gets countered unless you pay one, um, and I think that yeah. that's that's not nothing. Um, it but. isn't. It isn't. And this is. And I'm talking about this in a card, in a this card in a deck that just runs white, mm. and it can be a two, three, four, five color deck. Uh, it, it doesn't matter, and I don't care if there are other legendary creatures. So, uh, so to me, this is all upside. Yeah. It's got a huge bonus. Huge bonus on the top. And most of the time, you're only ever going to see this in decks where that bonus kicks in. So. Yeah. And this is obviously, like, really good as a limited bomb. Like, in, you know, and if you're going to be playing this as a draft set, like, uh, it's going to do real well uh, in your 40-card deck where yeah. white generally cares about legends anyway. Yeah. Um, and if you like even even uh you know possible cdh uh teshar yeah decks or even like lower powered teshar decks like this is this is fantastic mm -hmm. um the only the only issue that i could see with it is that it's a legendary enchantment which means you can't have a second one uh, well we're playing commander you're probably not gonna have a second one I don't know that you're necessarily going to want to copy this spell to give all your creatures plus two, plus two. There's probably other stuff that you could do, uh, you know, other permanents you could want to copy for that. But I'm just just mentioning it because it's there. Yeah. And, like, yeah. It's two mana. It's great. Yeah. Um, honestly, a lot of the things that I found throughout this set are the legends themselves i found pretty cool okay. whether it's i i'm like oh like i want to make a deck out of this or just like i think that this should go in my x deck you know uh and i think that it made me just like real excited for this set in yeah. ways that i just didn't expect um so i'm gonna start with boromir warden of the tower two and okay. a white Legendary creature, human soldier, vigilance. When an opponent casts a spell, if no mana was spent to cast it, counter it. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, but you can also sacrifice him. Uh, and creatures you control gain indestructible till end of turn. The ring tempts you. Yes. Um, we're not going to go over necessarily uh, the ring tempting you as a mechanic. I've linked below uh, the loading ready run rules primer for... Uh, for that kind of thing. Uh, but I'm guessing that most, if not all of you, have listened to a podcast or watched something on YouTube that has explained it. Uh, it's very similar to Dungeons, but it's like a... Uh, it's more of an emblem than uh, like, a, like an adventure type thing. Once right. it's done, it's done. Um... But I, I found this like just like a good utility. It doesn't matter that it's a legendary creature. I just found that the, I mean, it's it's a selfless savior type thing where it's just sacrifice it uh, to yeah. give creatures you control indestructible. Also, just like real good flavor, you know, because mm -hmm. he 
he he dies in service of the fellowship. Right. This is coming from a man who's never read the books, but has seen the movies a number of times. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's my first one. Uh, my first one, I'm going to go straight to the big guns. Gandalf yeah. the White. Uh, Gandalf the White, it's three white-white for a four-five uh, legendary creature with flash. Uh, you may cast legendary spells and artifact spells as though they had flash. And then if a legendary permanent or an artifact entering or leaving the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. It's messed up, Bruce. It's messed okay. up. So this is everything Elish Norn should have been. It gives you stuff. It doesn't take shit away from your opponents. This is, this is what you want. Because with Elish Norn, your opponents are forced to get rid of her. With Gandalf, they're forced to get rid of Gandalf because Gandalf is really good. But they're not forced to get rid of Gandalf because it's interrupting their play. Yeah. So, and I love this. I think I think Gandalf the White is, I mean, this is a spectacular card. I mean. This is sick. If you put Flash and make may cast legendary spells and artifact spells as though they had Flash by itself on the card, that would be enough. If you put just the bottom text on the card, that would be enough. But you're getting yeah. both. And I'm like, oh, I mean, you know, ridiculous. The first part is essentially uh, Raf Capuchin. Um, right. Historic spells you have, or you cast have flash. Um, and then that second part is great. I mean, it is exactly what you want. Gandalf takes your deck and turn and speeds it up by at least one turn. Just because, just for the flash ability. The fact that you can hold off until the end of your last opponent's turn, play your stuff then, means you get to keep all that mana up for the entire time. Then you burn it, then you take your turn, and immediately just sort of immediately pass. I mean, <laughs> that's... Yeah. You know, look, there's a reason that blue is powerful, and that is one of the reasons. Because it looks like they can always do something to mess with you. Well, with Gandalf out there... Everyone has to assume that there's something that you could do if you have mana up. So, I, yeah, Gandalf, amazing. My next one. Oof. I have just so many, you know? Uh, <laughs> let me see how far white goes down. Okay. Um, my next one's Rosie Cotton of South Lane. I just adore this card. It's a 1-1 one, one for 2 and a white. Uh, she's a halfling peasant, and when uh, she enters the battlefield, you create a food token. Sure, whatever. Uh, whenever you create a token, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control other than Rosie. Uh, what I'm thinking, I mean, they, I feel like they, they must be regretting Academy Manufacturer. Uh, because, you know, there are so many times, and maybe not even necessarily with Rosie at the helm, but, like, uh, there are so many times, especially in, like, black and white or red and white or, you know, mm -hmm. some sort of Mardu thing. Uh, you're just creating token after token after token. Uh, and this is one of the few cards that doesn't say, like, tri this triggers once per turn uh, in this set. And right. say with an Academy Manufacturer that says whenever you create a treasure, a food, or a clue, you create each instead. Uh, so this enters, you create a food, you create one of each. And now you've got three plus one counters to distribute, or... 
say you have something that just creates, you know, like uh, whenever, you know, something happens, you create uh, an orc or you create a, you know, some sort of token creature. Um, mm-hmm. Token creature comes down. It's essentially coming down with a, plus, a an additional plus one counter on it just because every time you create a token, you get a, an additional counter. It's, it's, it's just nice value um see now i saw rosy cotton and i thought to myself wow this would go so well in um in a green white deck mm. because of course i immediately thought about doubling season because i of course think of the troublemaker card rosy comes in with doubling season out it creates one food no two food because it's doubling season two food Oh, so now you're going to put two plus one counter counters on two different target creatures or the same one, whichever you choose, mm. as long as it's not rosy. Okay, now you already mentioned Academy Manufacturer. Now, I know that this is drifting into Christmas land to put all three of them together, but you start to see where this... I mean, rosy is just sort of the start of what could turn into something fairly crazy. I love the idea of just staying in just white. I yeah. Mean, Smothering Tithe, I've played it often enough to know that in the course of one round of play, you're probably getting, well, at, at least bare two. minimum, you're going to get two. Yeah. And with Rosie out, you're also now, you've just added two plus one plus one counters to other creatures on the board. I mean, um, yeah. this this doesn't take long. And it, it yeah, no, great card. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's, she's uh, unassuming. At, at first glance, uh, yeah, it's nice. I like it. Very um, nice. My next card, my my last white card, because I only picked three. Oh, um, okay. Dawn of a New Age. Uh, it's an enchantment. It costs one and a white. It enters the battlefield with a hope counter on it for each creature you control. At the beginning of your end step, remove a hope counter from Dawn of New Age. Uh, if you do, draw a card. Then, if Dawn of New Age has no hope counters on it sacrifice it and you gain four life so one getting this towards the end of the game is essentially you're paying two mana to draw a card because how many turns are you going to get this is obviously better for the longer it can stay in play and you can actually use it um my thought though was okay so the so the negative is that if you play it too early you won't have any creatures out well, how long does it take white to get to three creatures? I mean, this is the card. This is, you're going to play a, cre- you can play a creature on turn two. You can probably do one on turn three and another on turn four, or maybe even two on turn three. Mm. I think that on, if Dawn of New Age is played on turn four, you're probably going to have three creatures. You'll probably get three hope counters, which means that at the end of the current turn, you're going to get to draw a card. And at the end of each of the following turns, you're going to draw a card. And then you get a four life. And I'm not worried about the four life. It's obviously it's the card draw that everybody's that everybody's here for. Yeah. I know this is slow card draw. And I know that there's been a push to get your card draw at the start. And that makes sense if your game is going to end soon. But yeah. for people like me, where our games go 13, 15 turns, where a card like uh Phyrexian Arena is good. It's really good. It costs three. You pay a life, you draw a card. Well, this one, 
It costs two. And I and I do have to draw a card. You're going to no draw a card loss. immediately, too. I'm going to draw it at the start of the end step. I don't even have to wait for my next upkeep. Yeah. So even if they can get rid of the enchantment, I still get at least the replacement for this card. Right. I think this is a very good card. I think that it's it's card draw that's unnoticed. Yeah. You know, when you get when you get a spell that lets you draw six cards at once, everybody knows. It's like, oh, he drew six cards. He's going to have lots of good stuff, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Dawn of New Age could easily draw you five. It just takes longer. It's still five cards. Mm. I'll take that. I like the I like that quiet draw. People don't notice it. They don't pay attention to the fact that your hand is almost always full because you're playing a land, you're playing a spell and another spell, and you drew two cards. So you're you're losing a little, but you're you know, you're not losing as fast as other as some of the other people. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I like this I, card. I think it's very I think it's a subtle card draw. I like too that it's it's like faux like monarchy um i mean flavorfully it's yeah. you know kind of kind of like that too but it, it's like it's like monarchy that nobody can take away from you um yeah just kind of like wait it out until the king dies type of thing um, right and the only downside to this is that you do need to have creatures on the board for it to truly be effective yeah um and you know you're playing white you probably have a lot of token creatures at some point you know Yes. Um, this is a good mid-game card. Obviously, it's a good right. end-game card too, for the most part, like because you'll be getting a lot of counters. But like, you'll yeah, you're going to get a lot of counters at the end game. But realistically, if it's the end game, you're probably only going to get to draw two card, draw two yeah. cards from it. So a bunch of hope counters is great. It just yeah yeah it's I it it has this balance, and it may turn out that I'm way overestimating how quickly white can get creatures out on the board but i don't think so and i really think that if you've got three creatures don't wait on this card it's like mm. oh but next turn i'm gonna have six like who cares you get three cards and you can start drawing them now three card th for three consecutive turns i mean that's uh, for two white mana i'll take that I, yeah. I will take that every time so um and then my last white card, I think, is like the culmination of what they've been doing with white since Strixhaven. Right. Uh, it's Forge Anew. It's white and two for an enchantment. It says, when Forge Anew enters the battlefield, return target equipment card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as it's your turn, you may activate equip abilities as any time you'd cast an instant, and you may pay zero rather than pay the equip cost of the first ability uh, equip ability you activate during each of your turns you know there's a lot of dials on this there's there's a lot of thought that went into this card clearly uh but i think that like they did a really good job of not making it too busted but i think they did a good job of making it a powerful card um obviously the instant activation of equipment is powerful but the fact that it's you know only on your turn is it, like this is just for combat shenanigans pretty much um, right oh yeah and obviously this isn't in every deck you know you're you're looking for decks that run a lot of equipment but i when i saw this i i thought of black blade reforged mm. and thought to myself you know what now i could put it on a token creature because what is it the equip cost it's what seven seven yeah 
it's three right. for a legendary creature is seven for so yeah. or or with forge anew if as long as it's the first time you're equipping it you equip it to one of your token creatures for free yeah and then you get to swing save your lead hold your legendary creatures back you don't have to risk them into combat you can just send this token creature in with the black blade reforged and and go to town i love that it, it it's at instant speed uh lightning greaves lightning greaves at instant speed means uh nobody can do anything to you anything to your creatures on your turn right yeah i'll just move the greaves in yeah. response and that alone might <laughs> might just be fortune new if that's something you want to try but yeah um yeah no great card and that's i mean that's not even like crazy like that's not like you know magical no no the card's the card's not unreal or yeah or broken in any way it's it's just a good card all right i got a few for blue i think i have three uh so let's quickly go through blue okay and then we'll talk about possibly a break sure um maybe we have overlap who's to say what's your first blue one my first blue is where was it here press the enemy yeah all right uh, it's funny. Press the enemy to me. It doesn't. This is not a Lord of the Rings card. This is just a good card. Um, Lord of the uh, Press the enemy. It's two and two blue. Uh, it's an instant. It says return target spell or non-land permanent and opponent controls to its owner's hand. You may cast an instant or sorcery spell with equal or lesser mana value from your hand without paying its mana cost. Yeah. So, counter their spell, and then you get to play something for free. Now, if you assume that the proper price for a counter spell is two blue, yeah, then essentially press the enemy is saying, for two mana, you get to play your next instant or sorcery for free. Yeah, and you can play sorceries at instant speed. I mean, it's remand right. with a little extra, you know? Yeah, um, and, I, and I appreciate that there are restrictions to this. I mean, if your opponent is, is playing a really good spell that only costs two or three mana, and the card you want to play in your hand costs four, okay, yeah, you're out of luck. But, um, I mean, I, I just think this is, this is really good. I mean, and it, it counts the CMC on the stack, too. So, like... Yeah. Maybe they're about to uh, rift, and they pay, yeah. what is it, seven, eight? Yeah, it's seven. Uh, then it seven? great, you know? Like, that's like a common scenario that you will find. Yeah. Um, right. And, like, I, I had also saw this card, and I was like, this is just blue electro-dominance. That's all this is. Well, I have said over and over again the reason I don't like playing a lot of blue spells is because essentially it's a counter spell great and now it's done your card's gone and they've lost their card everybody else gets a benefit because you guys have lost your cards but they haven't well press the enemy says yeah i'm not losing my card mm. i'm still getting to play another card onto the battlefield as far as i can see the real the only real downside to press the enemy is you're using up two spells at once but I mean, we are in blue. Mm. Don't you have a full grip? Yeah, and you're using two spells, sure, but you're also sure only but that second for one, right? And that second spell is probably a card that's going to let you draw three more anyway. Yeah. 
You get so, to choose that card. It's great. Right. So I I can I can see that there's an issue in that, you know, you have to be a little bit careful and but realistically, as the game progresses, you know what you're gonna counter. You know, if you're in the mid game, you're probably gonna end up countering a spell that costs four, just like press the enemy. As you get to the late game, you know, you're waiting for a blasphemous act. You're waiting for that capsize with the buyback. You're waiting for the big X spell. You're waiting for something that's going to cost a lot because those are the cards you want to, you actually want to counter as opposed to just the next thing they play. Mm. So, um, yeah, I like, I like press the enemy. I like the idea that blue gets to stop you and then actually do something. Yeah. My first blue card is Eoreth of the Healing House. Two blue, legendary creature, human cleric. Tap, untap another target permanent, or tap, untap two other target legendary creatures. She says one four. I I like this card in like aggressive blue, so like maybe like you know some sort of simic thing going on, or um, I could I could see personally using this in like a like a Leviathan deck or like a sea monsters deck, you know, uh, where you attack every turn, no matter what. And then if somebody goes to attack you, you can tap her and then untap, say, your two 8-8 Krakens from, like, Kioravest the Sea God or something. Mm -hmm. um, or I guess those aren't legendary, but you, you get the idea. Um, yeah. Where it, it does do the, like... it Like, I like that there's the flexibility of, like, you know, either a target legendary... Or a target permanent, just any of them, or a target two target legendary creatures. Like, I right. like that there's a bonus for it being legendary rather than like a a prohibitive nature um, right well and i look at this and i see uh one untap another target permanent oh you mean my land that taps for more than two mana um when you play yoreth be sure that you make it really clear that this is not simply just a combo piece right that's going to allow you to go off any card that says it taps to untap two other cards has the potential to create some sort of infinite loop. And when you see when when your opponents see this card, they're going to be looking for that loop, or they're going to assume that Yorth needs to die, or you need to die. You mean yeah. you need to make it real clear to them? No, no, I'm using this to you know untap untap cards so I can block or. You know, or so I can tap a land to get, you know, goofy mana, but not infinite. Yeah. Because once, um, once it's infinite, well, yeah, then this card's not long for the board. Um, I believe, too, um, the thing where this really starts to make a lot more sense, too, is yeah. uh, the first step of the ring tempting you. Uh, so with the ring tempting you, you pick a ring bearer. Um, and then it gets the, the like however far you are with the ring tempting you. Right. Um, it gets those abilities as long as the ring bearer. Um, and I believe the first one is target or that creature becomes legendary. Okay. And gets some other ab ability, but sure. Uh, so like with this, uh, you can turn unlegendary creatures legendary if it is the ring bearer. Right. Uh, which is just fun. Yeah. I like oh, I yeah. like the synergy there. Um, yeah, it opens it up. You got any more blue ones for us? 
Uh, I have Storm of Saruman. Ooh. Uh, it's it is a it's a six mana enchantment. It's four and two blue. It has Ward three. I know, I know, folks. I'm getting kind of sick of Ward on cards. I really am. It's just a little too easy for Wizards to do it. It's kind of bugging me, but hey, cards got Ward. Cards got Ward three on it. I like it more than Hexproof, honestly. Hexproof is boring. I do too, but I will say that once you get up to like Ward two and Ward three. Just put hexproof. Yeah, you're getting close to hexproof on that. Um, Whenever you cast your second spell each turn, copy it. Except the copy isn't legendary. You may choose new targets for the copy. This is just a matter of planning your turn. Yeah, I mean, come on, take your biggest, ugliest legendary creature. Now you've got a copy of it that isn't a copy. Take. Whatever, whatever spells. However, you, however you want to do this, uh, you're, you're getting co- you're getting free copies. It says when you cast your second spell each turn, so I can do it on your turn. Yeah. If I happen if I happen to have two instants, or I don't know, I've got Gandalf out, mm. and now I'm casting mm. artifacts on on your turn. It's like, oh great, look, my second artifact. Yeah, it's gonna be a soul ring. Oh, I'll take two of them. Why not? This is really good. Um, I think the the only reason that I'm not gonna, that that I'm not freaking out about this is because it does cost six. Yeah. So realistically, you're gonna you're gonna tap out to get this, or have just enough mana up to protect it. <clears throat> you have to go through an entire round, and then it start, and then you'll actually have mana up when you can start using it to try and get your free spells. So I think you're pretty late in the game. I don't see that happening too many rounds. However, if you get to do it twice, man, I, I'm kind of thinking we're done here. Yeah. I mean, it's just got to be something. Like you said, it's six mana. If you're at in the position, or if you're you're late enough in a game, even limited, yeah. uh, that you're playing this, like it's not like you're coming out of nowhere with it. It's not like you're going to just like win the game on the spot right. just out of nowhere like people will be expecting big things and it's great yeah, yeah. Um, my last blue card is scroll of Isildur um, it's a saga I think it's the only saga yes. that I chose uh, because okay. some of the sagas like they the sagas were fun flavorfully like you know you can see like the connections and the stories and stuff um, and I think that it was a brilliant choice to like use them uh because you know it is like the whole sure. series is about like these legends and then also like the things that are happening yeah. anyway please when i read the end scroll i just laughed yeah I'm like this isn't a particularly good card but it's so right on for flavor yeah but anyways scroll of Isle- Isle- uh so the first chapter is gain control of uh, up to one target artifact for as long as you control the scroll and then the ring tempts you uh so you know it gives you a ring bearer, and then you can give the ring to that creature if you want. Are are you obliged to take soul ring? You know, I was thinking artifact creature this whole time, <laughs> but I mean, like you know, there are plenty of you got soul ring, you got you know, there are just so many artifacts here that I mean, 
I was there just thinking. There are a lot of artifacts in, in Commander. Um, there might be one or two. But, uh, so you got that. Okay. Uh, second chapter. Chapter two. chapter two is tap up to two target creatures, put a stun counter on each of them. That's pretty good. It's like Time nice. of Ice, but better. Yep. Uh, and then chapter three, draw a card for each tapped creature target opponent controls. So, like, you know, people will be attacking you during this because they don't want you to draw. Uh, or maybe they'll stop attacking you because they don't want you to draw. Uh, maybe they're either going to try to kill you so you don't draw, but then they'll have a bunch of tapped creatures. Then you draw a bunch, or maybe they've mellowed out and you get to draw two from the stun counter things. Yeah, it's It just, like... Each chapter feels good. You know? That's all. Right. Uh, yeah. Let's Andy, do... bef- before we go to break, yeah, I want to mention a card. I'm just going to mention the card, and then I'm going to immediately let it go. The Watcher in the Water uh-huh. is a 9-9 legendary Kraken. It has. Well, I'm not going to read it, because it has nine lines of text in it. And they're in three separate paragraphs. Wizards. Too many. Too many. No mas. No. I, no. I haven't read the card. I'm not going to. Nine lines of text. That I, I'm sure it does something obscene. It does something wonderful. Maybe it'll turn into one of my favorite cards. But that's, that's just too much. Yeah. It's too much. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like uh, what was the uh, the octopus, right? Like, where it was like an yeah. eight eight and it had eight lines of text. There were eight, yeah, things with it. it's it's cute. It's a mm-hmm. cute thing that they did. It's right. So I'm not odd. looking it, forward to the so 2020 to creature with 20 lines of text. Yeah, <laughs> but I will say, you were looking for a legendary kraken earlier. Mm. You, you just go. got one. All right. Um. Yeah, we'll we'll be back. We'll hopefully be a little bit more streamlined. Uh, but we'll go blasting through this. Yeah. Uh, but we'll be right back. This episode of Temple of False Pod is brought to you by Tolkien. Did you say token? Tolkien. This episode of Temple of Hallspot is brought to you by Tolkien Creatures. Technically, yes. <laughs> hey, we're back. Uh, we got a long one for you. We uh, were talking about Lord of the Rings, a notoriously notable, importantly long series. Um, we're going to keep this off of the extended version. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we got an extended, damn it. That was the joke you just made. We, we talked about white and blue so far. We're on to red. Um, my first card here is gore bag because it's a funny, we're, we're no, that's black. black. We already talked we're on about black. We're, we're, we're talking about black now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, excuse me, teacher. Uh, you skipped black. Uh, Gorbag is notably black. He is a legendary creature. 
Orc Soldier for black and one. Gorbag of minus Morgul. Uh, he's a 2-2, two, two, so he's a, he's a bear. Whenever a goblin or orc you control deals combat damage to a player, you may sacrifice it. When you do, choose one. Draw a card or create a treasure token. What? This is insane. Like, the amount of goblin tokens there are, just in general, right. um, like, this just turns into drawing your deck or creating treasure to create more goblins. And, like... You, you, this goes in so many sacrifice decks, whether it's red, black, or jund, or right. like. Um, I haven't heard anybody talking about this card, and it just feels it feels broken. Um, but who's to say? Uh, I'm I'm excited for this card. I wanna I wanna I wanna get it. My yeah, card. I can see this in black red aristocrats real mm. easy, real mm. easy. So, um, um, and it's whenever one of those things deals combat damage. So it's not like one or more, like a lot of these cards are. Um, it is instance, uh, yeah, by by instance. So sure, six goblin tokens all do two points of damage. You do twelve points of damage. Now, how many do you want to sack, and how many cards would you like to draw? Would you like to draw six cards? Yeah. Oh no. This is. I know that there are. You know, it might. It might be a little. It might be more narrow than I'm thinking. But, uh, man, it's. Uh, I it's, don't think it's that narrow. Yeah, it's not that narrow for me who plays this kind of game. So. Right. <laughs> uh, what do you got? Uh, Merkwood bats. Okay. Yeah. Now, Merkwood bats, three and a black for a two-three flying bat. Whenever you create or sacrifice a token, each opponent loses one life. This is Aristocrats. Uh, it, it's, it's another card to put in the Aristocrats deck. So if you weren't just gaining or losing one, if you weren't just gaining one life or your opponents weren't just losing one life, well, now you've just added to it. Uh, I, I get that they're gonna keep doing this because this is now a theme for black the problem is, is that it becomes a punishing theme in Commander when you have this many of them that can do it. Yeah. Because it used to be with Aristocrats, you'd get one or two of those out, and you'd ride that for as long as you could, and then if they died, then you had to figure out how to get them back or find something else. We're getting closer and closer to the point where you don't have to do that anymore. So this card's a little annoying, and I've heard talk about it, and it is quite good. I mean, a two-three fly, a two-three flying flyer for four is nothing great, but it's not terrible either. Um, but that ability, just remember, whenever you create or sacrifice a token, so any any black deck that uses treasure, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, create five treasures. Do five, somebody loses five life? Use the treasures. Somebody loses five life. It's each. It, yeah. So everybody loses five life. Oh, okay, there we go. So it just... What's the other black enchantment that makes a treasure every time a creature dies? Oh, um... We've got uh, Revel and Riches. Um, That's enough. Yeah, or... Uh, Revel and Riches, okay. Yeah. So, you know, two or three creatures die. You get two or three treasures. Everybody loses two or three life. Now you use the treasures. Everybody loses two or three more life. So... Two creatures, say three creatures, 
Everybody loses six life. You get three mana. Yeah. And and we're talking about treasures. I'm not talking about um, zombie tokens. I mean, here's a... I'm going to throw this one out for you, folks, and then I'm just going to let it go. Tombstone Stairwell makes the zombie tokens at the start of your turn, and they leave at the end of the turn. And not only that, I believe the way that Tombstone is... is you sack them. Is their sacrifice. It, yeah, yeah, you sack them at the end. So... If you've got three creatures in your graveyard, you make three zombies. Everybody three. loses three life. At the end of the turn, everybody loses the three life because you have to sack them. Oh, by the way, this happens again on your opponent's upkeep and on the next one and the next one. So with just three creatures in your graveyard, if you've got three opponents, everybody's losing six life four times. So once around is 24 damage. That's Mirkwood Bats and Tombstone Stairwell with three creatures in the graveyard. That's it. That's all. That's not adding in anything else you're doing. Yeah. Anyways, upwards um, and onwards. Andy, what's your next my one? My next one is also one that I've heard a lot of people talking about. And I okay. think it is... I think it's not as busted as people are trying uh, to make it out to be. Uh, um, but be I think it's because of... the same our, card. Yeah, I think it's because of our playgroup. I think it's because of our yeah. meta. Uh, it's Orcish Bowmasters. It's one in a black for a 1-1 one, one with flash, and whenever Orcish Bowmasters enters the battlefield and whenever an opponent draws a card, except the first one they drew, uh, they draw in each of their draw steps, Orcish Bowmasters deals one damage to any target, then amass one orc. Um, the reason I don't think that this is that busted is for the same reason I didn't necessarily think that uh, what was the blue, like the Notion Thief, but also the whole breacher like yeah like like they're they're bad for the format sure like those two specifically motion thief and whole breacher um but i like this is good but i think that like to really i don't know to really see results you have to have like have a meta that does do this a lot because otherwise it's just a damage here and there and you're making your army bigger um, which I don't know, like, yeah, it's powerful. I'm not saying that it's not, um, but I could see this doing a whole lot of nothing in a lower power game. Andy, I'm just going to read my note. Okay. I, I got a little note on the card. It says my group with my group, this will be fine. Yeah. Most groups, this will be pretty good. And then I thought, if you've got um, Wheel of Fortune effects, mm. so discard your hand, everybody draws seven. Orcish Bowmasters could get really ugly because that can do 20 plus damage pretty quick. Um, <clears throat> but I agree with you. Um, everybody, This isn't going to discourage anybody from drawing a card because we're all willing to pay a life to draw a card. Phyrexian Arena, you pay a life to draw a card. Uh, every single black spell where you draw a card, you're always paying at least one life to draw that card, and everybody does it. Yeah, It's not a deterrent. All it does is it lowers your life total a little bit more. Um, also, it, yeah, it's a 1-1. One, one. Like, yeah. Not, not yeah. to say that, like, I, I, like, I don't want to pull the, like, oh, it dies to, like, Doomblade type yeah. of thing. But, like, there, it's easy to get rid of this. <clears throat> It's right. it's easy to get rid of it with your own Orcish Bowmasters. Uh, 
This is this is a fun card, at least for me. I could see running this when I know that my uh, my play group has a lot of those wheel effects. So if I'm, you know, well, our good friend John. Hi, John. Uh, John loves playing some level of wheel effect. You know, everybody gets to gets to draw back up to the full hand size because quite often he'll run his hand down to almost nothing and then he gets the biggest benefit on the draw. But this has flash. So John doesn't even have to know I've got it in my hand and then he can do that and I'll be just like, okay, yeah. John, you're going to get to draw seven, but everybody else is too and you're taking 21. So or, I hope the seven cards is worth it. Or poor Josh. Hi, Josh. Uh, with his Arcanist deck. Um, uh, drawing yeah. three cards each turn. Yep. Um, pay three life, pay three life. That's okay. Josh runs enough life. Enough but life I think, to like, fine. yeah. But I think with this to be a, a $25 card, it just it, it just feels overhyped. That's yeah. it. That's all I'm saying. Not, yeah. it's, it, I, I can definitely see where this is going to be good in a lot of groups. With our group, it should be just fine. Just fine. Yeah, now that we've got the heat I, on our butts, let's, uh, let's talk about yeah. a different black card. Okay. Uh, my last one is Shadow of the Enemy. It's three black, black, black. It's a sorcery. It says exile all creature cards from target player's graveyard. You may cast spells from among those cards for as long as they remain exiled, and mana of any type can be spent to cast them. I love cards like this. Like I said, it costs six, so odds are you're not getting any of the creatures that are in that graveyard out on the same turn you cast it. Or maybe you're getting one of the two mana ones. But for the next few turns, you get payoff. You know, I can do this all the time. And this is good for the rest of the game. I mean, it's a sorcery. It goes to the graveyard. It's not as, lot, it's not as though those exiled cards are going to disappear on you. Yeah. And you can pay any color mana. So you can cast it at any time. I love this. I love these slow burn cards that do this. Um, and it just, you know, uh, that sort of thing is, is what I really get a kick out of. However, I can see this in a lot of other play groups, just not being good enough. Yeah, it's slow. Six mana, it's slow. You're going to get one more turn with it. I hope you can really make your opponent's cards count. Your yeah, opponent's creatures, sorry, just creatures. Your opponent's creatures count. Because if you don't even have haste, then they're coming out the turn after, and then they still have to wait a turn before they can attack. Uh, yeah. You know. Um, it's slow, it's clunky, but man, it's uh, it's got a spot in my heart. I like this card. Yeah, and I think like with it too, like it relies a lot on your opponent to have things in the graveyard. So like maybe you've already spent the past five turns, yeah. you know, filling up their graveyard. Uh, I think this goes really well in your Tasha decks, or it goes well with Arvanox, the like the Mind Flayer from uh, the Secret Lair about Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Um, where because Arvanox isn't a creature unless you control three or more permanents you don't own, uh, but then it's a nine nine. So it's like right. you know, um, yeah, yeah. Well, the other benefit is that you know if, if push comes to shove, you've got an opponent who's who is abusing their graveyard. Well, now you're not. Are you going to yeah. use any of those cards? No, but you're not either. Yeah, it's I, I've expensive. Just it's expensive oh, yeah. for... Uh, there are much, much better ways to do that. For graveyard hate, <laughs> but it is definitely, like, at least... It, I like the part where you can... Pl 
play you can spend mana as though or yeah. of any type um yeah. uh, my first red card mm-hmm. fall of care andros yeah it's two and a red for an enchantment and it says whenever a creature an opponent controls is dealt excess non-combat damage a mass orcs x where x is that excess damage folks all of all of your mass mass red damage spells i mean blasphemous act just became so much more than a one mana red sorcery that does 13 damage to each creature you now have a ridiculously huge orc army because so much of that is extra is, is excess um it now i appreciate you're probably not getting a whole lot of help from any of your other opponents because this is realistically this is very red yeah i mean because it's non-combat damage it's not loss of life from black it has to be damage and it can't be combat damage so it, this is really going to be red direct damage so <clears throat> how often is this going to hit i don't know but i do think that this is just just amazing because all of your now all of your red direct damage uh spells are just that little bit better even the lightning bolt that you have to use up the famous bolt the bird line where you do three damage to that birds of paradise well now you've also got a two two creature yeah i this is just that much better now there's another line at the bottom it says for seven and a red Fall, uh, fall of Care Andros deals seven damage to target creature. So the idea is that it'll do seven damage, and obviously you're not going to need seven to kill it, but the excess will then be added onto your on it onto your army. Awesome. Uh, I don't ever intend to spend seven mana to do seven damage to a creature. I'm just saying I think it's cool. I do think it's narrow, but yeah, uh, it's great to see the excess damage not just being tossed into the wind. Well, I think the the ridiculous thing here is uh, compare this, or not even compare, match this up with Toralf, right? Where it says you take that excess non-combat damage and you put it on something else. Right. And then if that happens again, you take the excess and put it on something else. So say you do seven damage to a Birds of Paradise. Now, you, it's, we'll, we'll use the term trample here loosely it tramples over to another thing but you're also creating a six six and now you do six damage to your next thing and say it's like a two two you know it now you have you can add four more to that six six right uh, and it just like it builds up so fast with just Toralf and this card yeah uh, it's there are it it's not necessarily niche but there are niche cases where it just gets explosive uh and that i love that think of crackle with power like you you do some ridiculous numbers with that card Um, oh yeah so Mm -hmm. Um, andy what's your first red my first red was fall of care andros uh excellent (laughs) my next red is well i guess my first next red is uh, display of power which is an instant it's red red one uh, if anybody knows me and my my Galazeth Prismari deck I, you know I love copying spells uh, it says instant this spell can't be ca- uh, this spell can't be copied copy 
any number of target instant and or sorcery spells. You may choose new targets for the copies. So where this gets absurd is when you have a stack full of instants or sorceries that say storm. You've got like six or seven copies. Now you can target each copy individually and copy those. So your storm count, uh, your storm of say, mine's desire. <laughs> You've got six copies on the stack. You copy it with display of power. You've got 12 now. There's not much I can say about it uh, without playing it, but like, you, like this spell can't be copied doesn't necessarily feel too restrictive like it is just well i mean they're just setting it up so that you can't make a copy of it so that you can then recopy yeah. everything all over. yeah they, yeah I, I get why that piece is there no this is this is a great card i really hadn't thought about it with the storm count i kept thinking of the restrictions that were involved yeah in basically place, but even there i was thinking yeah. that still could be worth it so if you're doing a chain of copying uh, you want to do this one last so that you can just double the amount yeah. of copying you've done. It's great. Right. Uh, spiteful Banditry. Yeah. We're on the same X-Red page, Red. There we go. X-Red Red for an enchantment. Spiteful Banditry enters the battlefield. It deals X damage to each creature. Oh, were we just talking about Fall of Carandros? I'm just saying. Um, whenever one or more creatures your opponents control die, uh, you create a treasure token. This ability triggers only once each turn. Now, you can pyroclasm with spiteful banditry. You're still only getting one treasure. Just to be clear, it's one treasure. It's so that's fine. That's fine. We're not we're not worrying about that too much. What we are, but I mean, X damage to each creature. This sucker is. This card is good. Uh, and you're going to get a treasure back. So I look at this and I say, it's not X red red, it's X red. Yeah. You just happen to need the extra red to, for, as the initial cost. So if I put four into it, because we're at that point in the game where four is about the right amount, I'm going to do two damage to each creature. That's going to take out most of the early game stuff. There'll be a couple of three, you know, three toughness or four toughness creatures. But for the most part, it's going to clear most of the board. I will certainly get a tre at least one treasure. I will certainly get the treasure out of it. And then I can use that treasure either now or the next turn to ramp into other stuff. Uh, yeah. And it says, whenever one or more of your, cre your creatures, your opponent's control die, you create a treasure token. It only triggers once per turn, not your turn, every turn. So if your opponents decide they're going to fight each other and one of their creatures dies, doesn't matter whose, you're, you will be getting a treasure. So it just takes one creature to die on each turn. That's all that that's all we're asking for here. So I, I think realistically you should be you should expect to get two treasures every round. Yeah. I I really like this card. Okay. For obvious reasons. Um, it is currently a twenty dollar <clears throat> card for oh for I mean, because this set is uh like a like a special set. Um yeah. I I don't I don't think it needs that second. I don't think it needs the ability triggers only once each turn. Um, I think if they turned it into tapped treasures, maybe they could have gotten rid of that. Right. Um, because I on it like red is about 
like immediacy and like about like like impulse like like if we're going for like the impulsive nature of red if it gets like a lot of mana all at once that you can only use once right then like you know but you've got cards like galazeth prismari you've got uh cards like revel and riches where it just turns those two things solely into like you're getting land out of this so like i can see where it's coming from but maybe if it just made tapped treasure like they they did tapped treasure in what what was that new capenna i think so but i mean you know it's essentially power stones are doing the the tapped treasure that's true yeah i I don't know like the power stones don't leave so maybe maybe i'm just like a little like wah baby but like i just wish it didn't have that last line i think it would have been fine uh or if maybe they made cost a little bit more prohibitive than get rid of it but like right yeah i mean you know in the very least it's a two mana enchantment that you're just getting die triggers uh yeah uh yeah it's it's a dope card. I'm not gonna say anything else about that. Uh, oh yeah. Um, we got green. Green. All I right. don't have much going on, but uh, uh, I've got two in green that I wanted to talk about. Okay. Uh, the first one is where's your Elven Chorus. Oh. Elven Chorus is uh, it's a four mana enchantment. It's three and a green. Uh, you may look at the top card of your library anytime. You may cast creature spells from the top of your library. Creatures you control have tap. Add one mana of any color. Okay, so it has three abilities. The last one's the only one I care about. I have the, the earlier ones, to me, that just means you get to draw a card, but you only really get to draw that card once because that's the one card you would have drawn that you're peeking at every single turn. It's the card you would have drawn. So. The only way you're getting to draw another card is if you're casting the creature off the top. I'm not super excited about that part, but creatures you control have tap, add one mana of any color. I mean, we're playing green. You're going to have a pile of creatures. You're going to then be able to tap your creatures to to add mana, and it's any color. So this isn't just green. This can be in your multicolor decks as long as you can get, uh, and you know, what, few saplings a few tokens a few whatever uh you know all of a sudden you're tapping for a pile of mana um my only concern is that you can't you really can't rely on it this has got to be a bonus because uh, mass removal just makes this card almost useless Uh, suddenly you're you're not getting any benefit uh folks are going to be that much more inclined to take out your creatures even if you're not attacking with them just because it's a great way to limit your mana base a little bit Uh, it's but yeah it, I mean, it's Cryptolith Rite with upside, right? Like, Cryptolith Rite turns all your creatures into mana dorks. Um, but then you also get to look at the top card of your library. Cast right. it, it's a creature. Um, right. It's it's effects... Like, the, the three lines are from each from, like, different cards, essentially. Like, you've got <clears throat> things from, like, yes. Vivian, and you've got things from, like, Cryptolith Rite. It's like right. a fun amalgamation of, like, exactly what you'd want it to be. And for four mana, it's it's good. This is right, and this is green, so you're gonna you're gonna be able to cast this on turn three. Yeah. So if not turn it's two. not if not turn two. So if this this will come up fast. Yeah. Andy, I want to do my second card right behind this one. 
and you'll Please see do. why as soon as I do it. Fanborn Tree Shepherd. Yeah. Uh, it costs four green, green, green. So it's seven mana. It's a legendary tree folk. It's a four ten. Tree folk you control have vigilance. Wow. Don't care. Whenever one or more tree folk you control attack, add twice that much green. Again, don't care. This is all great if you're running a tree folk deck. I wasn't thinking about it as a tree folk deck. You don't lose unspent green mana as steps and phases end. Okay, now go back to Elven Chorus. Oh, yeah. Now, you just wait until the end of, until the end of your last opponent's turn. Tap all your creatures. You get all that mana. Now it's the start of your turn. Your creatures are untapped. Your land is untapped. And now you can tap all of it again and really go to town. Uh, I, I'm not going to pretend that you're going to get away with doing this even more than once because, I mean, when people see Elven Chorus and Fanghorn Tree Shepherd, they're going to have a good idea what's happening. But <laughs> I, I really think that this is a combination you really only need to go around once. If you have ways to untap your creatures or lands on each opponent's turn, I mean, Seedborn Muse is still out there. I know, it's old, it's run down, it's tired, it still works. Um, things can get very, very ugly. Yeah. Very fast with a card like Fangorn where you're just accumulating the mana. Um, I, yeah, I, that's the reason I picked the two of them. I, I felt like they worked so well together. So. Fangorn's great. <clears throat> yeah. Um, my, my green one's um, Galadrim Bow is uh, a green and enchan- uh, green equipment. It's Fortuna Green with Flash. When it enters mm-hmm. the battlefield, attach it to a target creature you control, untap that creature. Uh, equipped creature gets plus one, plus one, plus two in reach. Which uh, is just a, is it's some, a it's a fancy that is some combat surprise drive. blocking. That is some surprise blocking, exactly, yeah. uh, which I enjoy. Um, and then my last green one is Peregrine Took. Two and a green for a 2-3. And if one or more tokens would be created under your control, those tokens plus an additional food token are created instead. So now you think back to Academy Manufacturer. Say you make a treasure. So now you're making a treasure, a food, and a uh, clue. And then you're also making three more food. You're just making a lot of food. Uh, yeah. And then you sacrifice three foods to draw a card. Uh, this is great for Guillaume. Uh, because yeah. Guillaume... I feel like Guillaume doesn't... Like, on his own, doesn't have enough ways to create foods. Um, well, this uh, set certainly helps him along. Because, man, everything in here creates food. There's a lot of food, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I found, like, as as I picked at this card a little bit more and more and more, I was like, there are so many things you can do with this card. And uh, just that bottom line of text is real nice. Um, because uh, I, I like when you can use food for not just gaining life. Because, like, right. yeah, that's helpful. But using food for other things, like drawing a card, is... right. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, so we've gone through Wooberg uh, onto, I guess, gold cards and uh, colorless cards, right? Yeah. Um, 
Do you have any gold cards you want to point out? I have two. Oh. Just two. Uh, the first one is the Balrog, Durin's Bane. Okay. It's uh, five, a black, and red for a seven, five. This spell costs one less to cast for each permanent sacrifice this turn. It has haste. Uh, it can't be blocked except by legendary creatures. And when the Balrog dies, destroy target artifact or creature an opponent controls. So, you're going to run this in a deck that ha- that that uses treasure. Mm-hmm. So you can spend the treasure to, to uh, yeah, I mean, sack yeah. three treasure Float and tap one mana. land. Yeah, you've got it. Uh, and then Bal- Balrog can come out. It has haste, so immediately a seven five that's going to swing can only be blocked by essentially by your opponent's commander, which is the card they probably don't want to use to block. <clears throat> and when it when it when it does die, you destroy an artifact or a creature in opponent control. I there's a little bit of everything here. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I really like the way this this thing is set up. Um, I just I really see this running well in treasure decks, and I and I appreciate that there there are other options for this card. But that was yeah. the one that came to mind, and that's sort of why I wanted to mention it because it's it's not really seven; it's four and a half or three and a half mana. Yeah, each each treasure you're using uh, pays for two essentially, which is nice. Yes. It's yeah. I mean, it's a good guard. Um, yeah, and you get to. Yeah, just, go yeah. Ahead. it's it's not exciting. There's it it does it does a bunch of things. It's really cool. I like it, but it's not it's not tricky in any way. It's not. You know. Yeah, I'm excited to see what people are going to do with this. Yeah. Uh, um, my first gold card. Uh, is mostly for the flavor. It's Arwen, Mortal Queen. Uh, okay. For white, green, and one. She's a 2-2. Two, two. Uh, Arwen, Mortal Queen, enters the battlefield with an indestructible counter on it. Uh, and then for one, remove indestructible counter from Arwen. Another target creature gains indestructible till end of turn. Put a plus one, plus one counter on it. And a lifelink counter on that creature. And a plus one, plus one, and lifelink counter on Arwen. So it's, you know, like, she's giving up her immortality to save a thing once right right and then you know it moves on but like i like that i like i think the biggest thing i like here is that you're not sacrificing her by any means like she can still continue on living until she dies um, and then if she's in your command zone then you get to just bring her back out again you know yeah uh, damn man come on you're playing doubling season Right? Why can't she come out with two indestructible counters? Then she can yeah. save somebody and still be good herself. Yeah. So the other card I had in mind, Eowyn, mm-hmm. um, Fearless Knight. Yeah. Uh, this is two, a red, and a white. For a 3-4, a human knight with haste. When Eowyn, Fearless Knight, enters the battlefield, exile target creature and opponent controls with greater power. Eowyn's power is three. Legendary creatures you control gain protection from each of that creature's colors until the end of the turn. This doesn't say that you exile the creature until Eowyn leaves. This doesn't say you exile the creature until the end of the turn. This just says it's exiled. It's gone. One of the colors is white. There are plenty of ways to flicker this card. Yes. I, you, can, you can flicker the card twice. 
get rid of two different creatures. And then Yoan gets protection from all of those from all the colors of those two creatures. Plus any other legendary creature you might have if Yoan isn't your commander. And she has haste. I, and she has haste. So she's gonna come down, do this, and immediately charge in, probably unblocked because of what's happened. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I Yeah. The only the only downside here is that you can block with artifact creatures. And Eldrazi. Yeah. But Yep. I'll I'll take those I'll take those chances. <laughs> and I mean, you don't even have to bounce yo. You don't even have to flicker yo. You can get yeah. bouncer. I mean, she has haste. And if it's your commander, you're not you're not like you're paying the commander tax by recasting it from your hand at the start of your turn. Yeah. Bam bam bam. Just keep going. And if you've got enough other creatures, you know, and if you have even a handful of other legendary creatures, you're getting through for significant damage. I, yeah, I I saw this and I, I just immediately thought about the fl- about the flicker ability for this and just oof. I'm glad she does not fit in uh, Emil. Yeah, yeah, it's probably best that she doesn't. But there are other ways to make that make this work. Um, so. Yeah, um, my my favorite gold card out of this whole set is Gimli Mournful Avenger. For one red green, he's a 3-2. Gimli Mournful Avenger has indestructible as long as two or more creatures died under your control this turn. So your creatures have to die for him to get indestructible. But whenever another creature you control dies, put a plus one plus one counter on Gimli. When this ability resolves for the third time, this turn, Gimli fights up to one target creature you don't control. So, you have any sort of cheap or free sack outlet, uh, and you've got small tokens, say. Um, yeah. You sacrifice three of them, uh, which triggers his first ability, or I guess not triggers his first ability. His first ability is just static. Uh, yeah. His first ability goes online, so he's indestructible. Yeah. He has three plus one counters, and he fights a thing you don't control. Uh so he's a 6-4 with indestructable. Or no, 6-5. I can't do math. Don't worry. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter what his toughness is anyway. He's indestructible. Exactly. He's going to do he, 6 damage to a target yeah. creature you don't control. And then he keeps those plus 1 counters. So the next turn, he'll be a 6-5. You sack uh-huh. 3 more things. He's a 9-8. It fights a thing. It just like there, there's a lot of stupid things going on here, uh, and that's that's if you choose the sacrifice route. The other yeah. route is just attack with so many things all of the time, and if things die, right. then Gimli gets bigger. He's gonna get bigger regardless of how many things die. As long as a thing dies, you know, like it's for each thing that dies, he gets a plus one counter. Right, um, that's yours. Um, yeah, or I just something that you that... borrowed for the turn. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love this card. This card is meant for me. <laughs> um, let's do colorless, and then we'll figure out how to talk about the commander cards We're coming up <clears throat> pretty far. <laughs> um, I don't want this de- this episode to be too long. Um, but, uh, 
we'll we'll figure out when to talk about the commander cards because I I really want to talk about some of them. so sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I have five colorless cards to talk about. Okay. However, I'm cheating because I want to talk about the five uh, monocolored legendary lands. Great. Um, I love this. I love this. There, every one of them reads. Uh, this land enters the battlefield tapped unless you control a legendary creature. It taps for the color that you want, and then it's taps some some amount of mana. One of them is that that color, uh, and tap the land to do something. I am a junkie when it comes to legendary lands. I love them. I love gather, I love getting as many of them as I can. I love that these ones. Uh, if the restriction is uh, enters the battlefield tapped unless you control your commander, that would be good enough for me. And this one just says unless you control a legendary creature. So not only just not only does your commander let it come into the battlefield untapped, but any other legend you also control or any other legendary creature you also yeah. control. I. I mean, like old... if if you're playing at at all with the ring. Like, you've got a legendary creature if the ring tempted you once, you know? Right. So, <clears throat> I look at this. If you get these in your opening hand, then just play it right away. Yeah. First turn, comes into play tapped. Who cares? Unless you've got a soul ring in hand, you probably weren't playing anything that first turn anyway. Yeah. Fine. So then you just there. Next turn, it's untapped. You're good to go. Um, I don't want to play with a lot of come into play tapped lands, but I will run some. And these ones are definitely worth it. I mean, yeah, I just the ability doesn't have to be that great for me to be willing to run it. I just don't see this as being that significant a restriction, especially in some of the decks where that I tend to build, where I have my commander and maybe five other legendary creatures or six. Um, I can, you know, uh, uh, this these are going to be good in multicolor decks where you've got multiple legends. So you can have a green legendary creature out, but that's good enough for you to get your Mines of Moria, your red legendary land out, untapped. Um, because you've got a legendary creature. It doesn't have to be that color. So, um, I, yeah, I just, I think this is great. Yeah. And thankfully I don't have to figure out, you know, if it's, if it's worth putting two in the deck. If you're playing a 60-card casual or you're playing standard or whatever else i don't have to figure that out because i'm playing commander i'm only getting one of them i will put it in that's not yeah. an issue i love these cards i think they're great uh i've got three artifacts here okay uh, i'll start Let's with blast through them i've got horn of gondor okay three mana legendary artifact when enters battlefield create a one one white human soldier creature token for three and tap create x uh, one one white human soldier creature tokens where X is the number of humans you control. Uh, it just it's it's uh what's his face, Cranko, but for humans. Yeah. Uh, there's you know cost with it, but it's also not a creature, which is great. Uh, it's it's a great it's a great token generator. We've talked so much about generating tokens this episode. Uh that i mean like this this does crazy stuff the nice part about these these doubling ones 
you get to the end of your opponent's turn before your turn is about to start and spend you spend the three and tap it and you're going to create x one once let's say you only have two humans two human soldier uh, you only have two humans yeah well you now get two human soldier creature tokens so now you have four humans and now your turn starts and you can tap again immediately for three more mana and do it again and now you've added four more so now you've got six humans and that was when you started with two no now you have eight you have eight but you added six that's oh, six I see. more eight. than you had moments earlier now i appreciate that six of, that four of those four of those can't attack but they're there they're there to block and you know that kind of that kind of thing is stuff that people don't like. A lot of people when they're looking at your board, they think, okay, he's got two, he's going to double, it'll go to four. They don't think about the double again immediately, and and a lot of times you, we don't either. We think of other things. We're like, oh, okay, I will save that and wait until later when it when I should do that, like or do it now. Yeah, but yeah. Um. Another another horn that I have is Horn of the Mark, legendary yep. artifact for two mana. Whenever two or more creatures you control attack a player, look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a creature card from among them, put it into your hand, put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Um, so often you'll be attacking a player with two or more creatures. Yeah. Um, if you're attacking three players with two creatures each, this triggers three times. So then you look at the top 15 cards. I mean, like, you're, you will be digging through at least 15 cards. Um, yeah. It, like, five cards is a lot uh, for just an attack trigger. And this yeah. is a two-mana artifact that goes in any deck uh, or can go in any deck. Um, it just seems yeah. seems fun. Myriad with this card could just be a, mo a monster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh my! But. My last card is uh, Mithril Coat. Uh, it will be saving. Mm -hmm. It'll be what is saving me from the uh, treacherous process of editing this episode. Uh, it's three mana, legendary artifact, equipment, flash. It has indestructible, and whenever it enters the battlefield, or when it enters the battlefield, attach it to target legendary creature you control. Your commander. Uh, equipped creature has indestructible as equip for three. Equip three is great. Like so it's an instant. So it's an instant that costs three generic that gives your commander indestructible. Yes. Permanently. Yeah. Because you can't destroy the coat either. Right. And say somebody swords is your creature, <clears throat> then mithril coat just falls off, and then you get to put it back on eventually. Mm -hmm. Like, right. It, this card's oh, yeah. for real. Um, as we approach the two-hour mark, um, <laughs> uh, we, there's there's so much we can talk about with this set, and uh, like I like I'm just super excited for this set. I hope that someday I get to draft it. Um, I, I like we're we're gonna figure out at some point when to talk about reprints talk about it won't be long uh the uh the 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 commander cards yes the commander set itself is just something to behold um so i think in the next couple of weeks 
we've got a break coming up of like the, mm-hmm. the main episodes, but we've got shorter episodes. I think we'll we'll figure out a way to talk about these cards uh, in those. But I wanna I wanna thank everyone for for hanging out for 110 episodes. This is surprisingly long amount of time uh, to be hanging out with us, and uh, I thank you. Um, welcome to summer. We'll be back with uh, a full season. Full full episode length, on the twelfth of July, we halfway through July, on our way to what's the next set? Who knows? Focused on this one. Yeah, and uh yeah, I'm excited for what we have planned for next season. It's going to be a lot of, a lot of fun things going on. Um, Absolutely. And uh, yeah, thank you again for 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 sticking with us. Thanks for bringing on more listeners, more watchers. Share us with any of your friends who like magic. Uh, they 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 will not be disappointed. Um, if you're not watching us on YouTube, check us out. You get to see beautiful cards on the screen. You get to see our wonderful mugs you get to watch my hair dry through this whole episode um you get to watch my hair stand on end through most of the episode and uh we'll we'll be back in a couple weeks um as we're on our way again to eldraine um wilds of eldraine is our fall set coming up um which will probably i i guess probably feel a lot like the lord of the rings set um but we'll see you next week for sure with a, a little itty bitty tiny episode. Um, a vignette. A vignette. Yes, I'm gonna make it stick. I'm gonna say it every single time. I'll remember <laughs> it eventually. Um, so, anyway, we're Temple of the False Pod. We're at Extra Not Optimized, but our play sure is hecker fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. Thank you again so much for listening. Uh, there's so much I want to say, but uh, have a great night and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye. Wait, wait, before you go, I uh, just wanted to say thank you for listening. You can reach out to us via email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com or on Twitter at falsepodmtg. Bruce is at manaburned and I'm at Andy Weekend, though you'll definitely notice I use the podcast Twitter far more often. Now that we've got you here, make sure you subscribe, like, rate us on uh, whatever podcast platform you use. It helps us out. It gets us more reach. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Uh, like a video there. Leave some comments for more casual enjoyment. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with some more timeless discussions about all things casual. So come hang out and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye-bye. Should I do my best, Bruce? Bye!